Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. The most recent episode that Mel and I did together stuck with me in kind of a funny way. We just briefly sort of touched on this sort of concept of cringeworthy moments and mostly in reference to ourselves, like basically stuff that we have done where we were like, where maybe we look at it now um, and either it's stuff we created or it's ways we behaved or whatever, but we look at it now and go like, ooh. <laughs> and I've, I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I think I am deciding what a great learning tool that cringe factor is. Um, because, okay, so something else that she and I have talked about in the past, and this was, I don't think we have a podcast episode about this, but as we have joked that as you're going through different phases of spiritual growth, you do tend to look back and kind of go like, ew, I was totally this before and that's gross. And it's got very similar vibes to a like grade three kid and a kindergartner. So when that grade three kid like looks at kindergartners, it looks like kindergartners, goes, oh, you're so young. You don't know anything. Like I'm in grade three. I'm a big kid now. When I was in kindergarten, I was such a little kid. And you little kindergartner, you're such a little kid. And I think this actually shows up quite a lot in spiritual circles, that there is this idea that if we are not in the same place, that we can actually look down at someone for not being where we are. Or we look at maybe the phase that they're in and we think, oh, I remember when I went through that phase, but we look at it like it was past, like as in we are in this like linear progression moving forward and where we are currently standing is better than or um, like more advanced than where they are at. So I'm digressing a little bit because I really do want to like focus this on the internal cringe factor and how that relates to self and how we can use that as a learning tool. But I'll just let myself kind of finish this digression first. Um, I think we really need to give the benefit of the doubt that when we observe or perceive someone to be in a certain place with their spiritual journey, um, that they might not be behind us, but rather they're just on in a different place, but it's completely lateral. It's, I guess it's kind of like that if we keep using that kindergarten grade three reference, well, math or not math, actually, let's just do numbers, numerology seems linear, zero, one, two, three, four. So it seems like maybe in your mind it moves forward or maybe that moves upward, like zero, one, two, three goes up like temperature or something. I don't know. This is how I picture it in my head. Um, But I think when we are learning things, there isn't an upward or a forward. There's like this kind of ambiguous, just, it's like a, just a different, I'm trying to see if I can get like a good analogy here. Okay. Actually this might work. It's not great. Does anyone remember paint by numbers? I think it's still a thing. (laughs) Um, Think of it as being in a different part of the picture or even a puzzle. You just filled in one part of your puzzle, but you still have all this other puzzle to fill in. They might have prioritized a different part. 
puzzle. Puzzle is great. Okay. Because some people think it's like sacrilege to not like some people like have to finish the border of their puzzle first and then they tackle the inside. Other people do their puzzles in like chunks and pieces. I say this, like I know anything about puzzles. I've probably built like four in my whole life, but, um, my grandma really loves puzzles, but I, what I noticed was, so we had this Christmas where we bought my grandma this huge puzzle. It was like her, her jam that year. And it was this massive puzzle and it, and we were of course congregated for Christmas for, you know, a week or whatever. And there, my uncle was there and my husband and I and my brother. And anyways, what would happen is everybody kind of like would weigh in because this puzzle was massive. Everyone would sit there and kind of tinker at it for a little bit. And it was sort of this group effort and eventually it came together. But it's, I think this is life. I think that we are just figuring out various pieces of the puzzle and someone is not, you know, just because they might be going through a similar lesson that you have already been through, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually behind you. And I think that that's a messed up perception. Like I think it is, um, I think it limits us essentially. And I, and I think it's really easy to do and I have done it. So I am definitely not saying this from like that lecturing standpoint. I'm saying it cause I identify this as something I think that has limited me is looking at someone and going like, Oh, you'll catch up. Like, <laughs> Oh, you're just not there yet. I think this is especially prevalent in when we're thinking about older generations. So like we might, um, I've heard this time and time again, just talking with people, um, is the, you know, this individual perceiving themselves to be in a more advanced place spiritually than their parent. And I'm not even saying that that's wrong exactly. Okay. I actually am saying that that's wrong. <laughs> um, because again, we're seeing them ourselves as being more advanced than they are spiritually. I, I don't think that's correct. I think it's again, a, a, we have prioritized, what we've wanted to accomplish in this life differently and where our priorities lie and where we have chosen to focus and develop is different than anybody else. And of course we're going to meet like-minded individuals. We're going to like call in people that are, you know, working on their puzzle in a similar manner. Um, but I think it's really powerful to be able to acknowledge that when someone else is working on a different part of the puzzle or they haven't completed a part of the puzzle that you finished, um, that it's, it's actually not any indication that you're further along, like that your puzzle's more built than theirs is, for instance. Um, and if I'm really stretching this puzzle analogy, I, I kind of think that it's very, very common that we aren't even wholeheartedly aware of how big this puzzle is, um, because I think we, (laughs) we wouldn't want to take it on Um, so we're kind of just given like bite-sized pieces. So we think, oh, when I finish this, my puzzle's done, but really it just keeps, there's just more of the puzzle to, to work with. Um, okay. I had, I had another thought around this. This is letting me, this is giving me the opportunity to digress off my digression, which is, um, a thought I had, I was trying to journal it out this morning and I was really struggling with articulating it, but, I think that we also can really struggle as people to let someone live the way that they want to live. So let them puzzle it out. Like let them approach their puzzle in the way that they want to approach it. And where I have noticed this a lot is in say spiritual bypassing thing type vibes where 
someone is saying, okay, you know, you got to be high vibe in order to accomplish this. So, you know, when you are, you know, in these states, you can't manifest, or if you want to manifest the life that you want, then you have to start living that life you want. Or, um, if someone is like living in a constant state of victimhood, it's, it's trying to empower them. Or if you, um, so essentially what I've recognized or what I've noted, and especially in myself, but I think it's, I think it's thematic is seeing the way someone is choosing to live their life and, and just inherently wanting to change it because you disagree with it. And I think it's really hard to let go of just the way someone is choosing to live their life. Like essentially I really struggle and I feel really triggered by people that are really committed to being victimized or in a state of victimhood where they're like specifically by their life. Like I am victimized by having to be in this life. I also <laughs> identify as someone that uh, has to actively overcome <laughs> that victimhood mentality. So maybe that's why. Um, but I just want to, I want to empower people. I want people to know that no matter what you are the creator of your life, you are always empowered in your choices. You are always empowered in your life. And there is nothing that you can't shift or change in your life or adapt around. So if you, if something is fixed, like if you, a shark bit off your left arm, yeah, okay, it's not growing back. And I'm not going to say it's gonna, but you can adapt and, or you can make a prosthetic. Like there's options. And is it a perfect arm? No. And you get, you get that. You get, it's an, it's an imperfect arm. And you could either spend all this time being so sad and upset that you don't have that and, and woe is me, or you can shift around that. So, but it's so hard and it's so triggering when someone is really committed to being in a space that we don't like for them, or we don't want that for them. I think it's even harder when it's someone we really love. So say your kids, your kids aren't um, living the life that you in your head think is the safest or the most beneficial or the most ideal. Um, so of course you're then going to criticize or constantly offer your feedback or tell them what they should be doing and try to change it. And I honestly think that that is one of the hardest things in human existence is just let people process the way that they process and getting out of this mindset that the way they're doing it is wrong. Like if someone is committed to living their entire life in a martyrdom or in victimhood, I that's the life they chose. That's the way they want to live their life. And, and who am I to say that that's wrong? Now, obviously it's really hard when said, say the thing they're coming to you, they're in this victimhood, this martyrdom, and they're like, oh my God, please give me your advice or whatever. They're seeking counsel from you to make these changes in their life. And you're like, I got it. And you hype them up and you do all the things. And then they don't make any of those changes. And then maybe, and then they come back to you and they go, I don't know what to do. And you're like, bitch, I told you what to do. <laughs> this is a codependent dynamic. I don't know if you're picking up on that. But anyways, so they come back and they, they go, I don't know what to do. And you tell them again. And then maybe this is a cycle. And, you know, it feels like they're not getting anywhere and you're frustrated by them. Again, I'm going to go, that's a you problem. Because you are too invested in the outcome of, that they're having. That's, that's not, that's not your story. Your story is your own. So instead it would go like, you are fully empowered to kind of go, Ooh, the, like I'm not, 
a good friend for this person right now. I want to be a good friend for this person, but I can't hold space for this. Like where they're at, like for me personally, I am struggling to hold space that are really for people who are really committed to a victimhood. I'm just not, I am not calibrated in that space right now where I can hold the amount of empathy that they maybe deserve. And so then I have to maybe make choices about how I spend my time with that person or under what pretenses, or maybe I just sit there and listen to them and I don't offer any advice at all. And I just go, yeah, that sounds really hard. And maybe that's all they need. Like, that's the other thing. I read this Will Smith book. I do actually recommend it. I know that there was like some Will Smith controversy, but I thought his book was really good. I think I really liked reading it, especially because he's an entertainer and I read a lot of it through the lens of someone being in the entertainment industry and it was actually quite healing. (laughs) But one of the things he said in there that really stuck with me, and I'm going to paraphrase, so I do recommend reading the book because he probably says it far more eloquently than I'm about to, is that you, that advice is sort of dumb because giving advice you are only able to give advice based on your own experiences. Receiving advice, that's, that person is completely limited by what their life has shown them and what their life experience has shown them. So you can't take advice from someone, like if you're, if, especially if you're going to do something ambitious or different, how can you take advice from someone that hasn't done something risky or ambitious or Do you know what I mean? And it made me kind of like dial that in, chisel that down even further to go that like we're all slightly, like a slightly different makeup. Even if I just like go and look at this from like a Zodiac perspective, I have my big three are earth and water, which makes me have these kind of like kind of grounded pragmatic qualities. And uh, my sister-in-law, she has her big three our air and fire. And this dynamic has been such a great learning opportunity for me because she makes different choices than I do. And of course she does because she's a different person. She also sees through a different lens. She's going to view the world in a completely different way uh, from a different vantage point. So her giving me advice and me giving her advice is going to be interesting (laughs) because one, it's kind of like someone seeing from above and someone seeing from below. It's going like, yeah, this is what I see down here. And the person up top going, oh, okay, because they can't see it that way. So it is a good education. These people are great for education because they're going, this is the way I see the world. So if you're actually listening and you're accepting, this is the way I see the world and you are learning that that's a vantage point, that's how you use those relationships. If you are listening to them, but then you just want to talk and you want to go, no, no, it looks like this from this, this angle. No, this is the way life looks. It's because you're limited from your own vantage point and trying to convince them to see it from your vantage point is moot. It won't work. It doesn't function. I feel like I'm so far off the point of where I started. Um, and I'm hoping some of this is landing because I know I'm getting a little bit lost and kind of convoluted in, Um, all these kind of things I'm kind of enthusiastic about covering. But essentially what I'm learning the most through exploring, um, especially the Zodiac, is that we are limited because of how we chose to come into the world possessing a certain amount of traits and qualities. And that created our vantage point, which we are kind of fixed in. 
And the only way to expand that vantage point is by listening to other people and trusting their experience. But if you are in your vantage point and you are listening to other people and trying to pull them into your vantage point, so not sharing your vantage point, that's we've agreed is like a very powerful thing, but pulling them, no, no, see it my way. Come over here and see it my way. That's where it gets kind of lost. That's where it gets messed up. Sharing it is good, but trying to, to change their vantage point is where I think we lose this, um, this opportunity. And so as hard as it is to understand that someone who is here to experience their life from you know, a victimhood mentality or from a martyr mentality or from just a negative mentality or a depressed state or an angry state or cruelty. Like it's, it's really hard for us to wrap our head around concepts that maybe we can't personally embody, but it doesn't invalidate that human being's experience. Like it doesn't invalidate their need to live their life that way. So it's, it's brought like a lot of peace for me to understand like, ah, that's how you want to live your life. And it's not for me to correct it. It's not for me to change it. It's not for me to tell you why my way is the right way. It's for me to be witness to your experience and listen to you, to hear that your experience is a part of this whole thing. Have you guys ever heard that? Like, uh, it's some like philosophical, philosophical, okay, I'll just tell you. And again, I'm going to do such a <laughs> a garbage job. Like information goes into my brain and I'm like, ah, brilliant. And then it goes, la, la, la. like just kind of gets muddled up. But so it's uh, some proverb or something proverb um, where there's five blind men and they're all touching an elephant. And so they're asked to describe what an elephant looks like through that touch. So one of them touches the ear and says, oh, an elephant is very fine and thin and whatever. The other one touches the tail and is like, oh, it's kind of like bushy and hairy and prickly. Another one touches the the skin and is like, oh, it's really leathery. So is, in summary, <laughs> not very good at the exact examples here, but in summary, it's going, none of these men are wrong. They are each describing an elephant, but they're only able to describe their particular experience. So if they shared, if they all shared instead of argued and tried to say, no, no, it really is leathery. No, no, it really is like hairy and bushy or whatever. Um, if they, if they brought their viewpoints together, they would get a big picture, like a, a, a grander picture. It is an elephant. All of the things that they are making up assembles into the full picture that is the elephant. But if they spend all this time arguing about who is right from the way that they see the elephant, no one gets anywhere. Nothing, no, nothing is productive. Nothing happens. So I, anyways, okay. So I've digressed off my digression. Let's come back to, to my original conversation, which was in the importance of making yourself cringe. So I think, I don't know, I guess it kind of ties together, right? Because if we think about these concepts of the way that people live their lives that we maybe don't prefer or don't like, or we want to change. Um, like I have, like, I mean, outward people make me cringe too, right? They might do something. And I think that that's where that whole idea that, you know, you're looking at someone going like, Ooh, I was there before too. Oh, you're, 
you're going to get out of that or, oh, you'll move past that. or You know, you're doing that thing where you're looking down at someone or perceiving yourself as further ahead on a journey. Um, so we, we can cringe at other people. We can cringe at ourselves. And the importance of the cringe is going like, let's like dig in. What about that is cringeworthy? And I'm not obviously talking about, you know, backcombed bangs and, and uh, you know, overzealous eyeshadow. I'm talking like behaviors, choices. Um, so for, for me, I was looking through some of my, the music that I created recently. Why was I doing that? I don't know. Was I navel gazing? Maybe. I, w- I went back and I was watching just a couple of videos. I didn't, I promise I didn't watch them in their entirety. It wasn't, it wasn't that intense. I just kind of skimmed through a couple things and I was, yeah, I was looking through them and almost all of them. I was just like, Ooh, <laughs> like, I don't like that. Like, and there was various things. One of them was, I didn't like the tones I used in my voice, the way that I sang. And I don't know if I said I was looking at music videos of myself, like the music that I'd created. So I didn't like the tone. Some of them was I didn't like my face, the way my face looked. I didn't like my wardrobe. I didn't like, so some of them were kind of uh, more surfacing. Other of them were like technique-based things. Um, I really got icky around how I spoke to represent myself because it felt really showy and, and contrived. Like, so what I decided as I was watching those videos was, um, even the way that my voice sounded musically, um, there was so many of them that I was like, Oh, this is, this is hard because I can see how much I was focused around being perceived the way that I wanted to be perceived, essentially like controlling your perception of me. I was so fixed on controlling your perception of me. So I wanted my content to come across a certain way um, so that you would see me the way I want you to see me. And that just like for me right now felt just really, really icky um, because I think that I that's been a focus for me inadvertently or intentionally (laughs) the last little while is really releasing like that you are entitled to your opinion of me, even if I don't agree with it. Um, especially if I don't agree with it, I don't know. Um, and it's okay for me to let you have your experience of me, even if I wouldn't choose it or promote it that way. The other thing it brought up for me was realizing how my art was affected by my desire to control that perception. And very, what I noted when I'm speaking about like the tonality of my voice and the way that I used my voice, um, there's, there's layers to this, of course, because this is maybe just hitting one of many themes because I can hear lots of things in, in those musical choices that I made with my voice. But one of them was was this again like is was how i wanted you to see me and and i think i let that interfere with my art with my creation so i don't think that like i'm not ashamed of anything i created i'm i don't regret anything i created even if it makes me cringe i don't look back and think ew i wish i never did that so it's not that heavy handed 
but I think ah, I can hear how not only was this song influenced by my desire to create, but it was also influenced by my desire for my music to be consumed. Like I wanted public consumption. So I like kind of sculpted my art in a way that I thought would be more palatable. Like I'm like, oh, I want to make sure that this... So um, there's something that comes... There's an analogy that's coming to mind, but I don't know if it's a great one. So please... If this is not a great one, I will take ownership for it. But it, it makes me think of if I were to, um, if I was a, an East Indian person and I decided to open up an East Indian restaurant in a predominantly white town and I maybe used, like, instead of making my meals the way that I knew was the best, I kind of, like, maybe made them less spicy or put in less seasonings because of the white people that can't handle spice and seasonings. Um, Cause I was, I was, you know, it's so important to me that this restaurant, that this business is successful. So I don't want to use too much spices, but then you end up kind of serving something that is a watered down version of what it could have been. And granted, yes, you might have people who eat like more people who eat your dish, but I think you're missing the people who like would really appreciate um, your gift, your art. I hope that's making sense because I feel like it's getting to where I really wanted this to go. I think that we really need to like let go of how we're perceived. I think we need to let go of watering down anything, being palatable, all those things. Because you you are right that you might get a broader audience by watering yourself down. That was my experience. But I'm getting a loyal audience by not watering myself down. I'm getting an authentic connection with real people when I choose to just present my creations, my thoughts, my products, myself as exactly as I am. I think there's something, there's something to that. And even if it's just this cycle that I'm going through, even if it's just as simple as just honoring this cycle. So what I mean by that is that I might be in a cycle right now that's going to make me cringe in five to 10 years. I also created content that makes me cringe that was from a very vulnerable place with no filter and absolutely no regard for how I was perceived. And I wouldn't say I love that content either. So like it's, I I think the cringe factor is almost unavoidable. And I, I, I don't think the other thing I think is, I guess that even if there's cringe and, and I, I've already said it even in this podcast is I am still, I'm still proud of things I did. So even though I look back and I go, Ooh, like, you know, like, like I wouldn't do that the same now kind of a thing. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate what I made anyways. So I guess like if, if I was going to like leave off on some sort of, you know, inspo moment here, it would be how many times are you in the moment cringing at what you're making or creating? Like, 
I don't know what happens to me too. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, this is kind of weird. Or, oh, I don't know, this is a little out there. Or how is this going to be received? Blah, blah, blah. And you're kind of trying to, if that's stopping you from putting something out there, this is me saying, <laughs> this is, this is me with all, all the audacity in the world <laughs> just saying, no, no, I've put out a lot of stuff. And there, the, the cringe factor is absolutely 100% unavoidable. But you can't, it's like the, the Wayne Gretzky, you miss hundred percent of the shots you never take. You're not going to ever avoid cringe content. So you may as well just make your cringy stuff because in there it will be whatever. It's a rose amongst the thorns if you want to, and that's me being pessimistic about it. I think there's a lot more roses than there is thorns, but it's just a, it's just if you're struggling to get stuff out, just know it's, it's good. It's fine. Just, just share it and share it with its full potency, its full seasoning, all of the, the curry, like just get it all in there. And when someone, you know, sends their food back or they say like, this is too spicy for me, you are too spicy for me. That's not your person. Also, has anyone had Indian food and maybe you tried something and you were like, eh, not for me. And then you were like, I don't know, for some reason you just tried it again, like two years later. And you were like, this is good. How did I not like this before? You know, people are like that too. Just because you may not have that customer or that person or that client or that friend, that relationship, that any, that vibe, it doesn't mean it's not yours, period. It means it's not yours right now. And if it's not yours, period, it was it was never going to fit. <laughs> so maybe I'll end off on my like puzzle analogy here, my son. And this I think is such a poetic, beautiful people do this. So my son was building a puzzle one day. And it's thank God. It was a wood like wood. It was a hardy, a hardy puzzle. <laughs> Um, and he's like, you know, at the table building this thing and I'm not, you know, paying that much attention. And so he, I just hear him say, I got to go get my hammer. And I was like, oh, okay, have fun. He comes back and I hear him kind of like banging and I'm like, what, what are we doing now? So I look over and he's like banging these, he has got these two puzzle pieces that don't fit together, but he's kind of majiggered it so that it sort of fits together. And now he's hammering them until they fit together and if that's not poetry in motion, like, I don't know what is, but we've all been there where we're like, no, I'm going to make this fit. <laughs> and it really, all that does is prevents the puzzle from properly being assembled in a cohesive way. <laughs> so, you know, keep an eye out for where you might be hammering your puzzle together in a place where it's not supposed to be um, going together anyways. Uh, okay, one last visual and then I'm out, I promise. Okay, so I had this, uh, why is this so, uh, anyway, it's a very strong visual in my mind. I'm trying to know if it was like, where did this originate? A meditation? I don't remember. Okay, origin story out. We don't know. The image was this, that I had this wall, like I'd been going down this path and I hit this wall and this wall is like, huge. You cannot, I could not get around this wall. I could not get under it. I tried getting over it. I tried breaking through it. I tried everything to get past this wall that was 
in front of my path. The only thing I didn't try was pivoting, was going that this might be an indication that this path is done. It's a dead end. Like I know it looks like the path continues, like it that the, just, just this big wall or boulder standing in your way, but you're not supposed to go over it. You're not supposed to go under it. You're not, you're just supposed to turn. And if you just think about the energy I would have saved if I saw that big wall and went, oh, let me just go left <laughs> or right. Like I had options too. It wasn't even like the only option was to go backwards. Cause that's how I see it, saw it. I was like, well, I have to keep going forwards. I can't go backwards. Um, but I never considered just, sh- just shifting. And so I spent so much time, so much energy trying to get through this wall when I was never supposed to. So if you ever feel like really blocked up around anything, ask yourself if you are fighting against a wall that's putting, that's been put there to direct you into something you want. Um, because sometimes we get so fixed on a certain direction, a certain outcome, a certain person, a certain experience, a certain opportunity. We get so fixed that that's it, that we don't think that there's like another opportunity. There's another option. There's something else. And there always is. Okay. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for surviving the digression upon digression and all of the various turns that we took together today. I am ever grateful for your listenership. And if you want to get in touch, you can hit me up at Tanya Ryan XO on Instagram. You can email us spiritual boss podcast at gmail.com and um, always love to hear your feedback. Always love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Peace in, peace out.